G'day everyone and welcome to The Journey this week. My name's Jude Hennessy and it is the third Sunday of Easter. I tell you, we've got a, a fantastic show on it for you. Some, some stuff that is from our, our usual and regular presenters, which is always of top quality. But we've also got a really special guest this week. We're going to be talking to Father James Mallon. He's the author of, of a very successful book called Divine Renovation and many other books that have come out off the back of that. But more to the point, a movement of parishes around the world that are trying to do what the church has been asking us to do for a long time, and it's to make evangelization the main thing and doing it through some, some pretty simple, some pretty straightforward principles. But sometimes simple is uh, the most difficult of all. You can play around the edges, but when you've got to get to the heart and culture of things, that can be a lot more demanding and requiring a lot more of us. So it's going to be great to be bringing you an interview that we were able to do with Father James Mallon when he was out here earlier this year for the Divine Renovation Conference in Australia and hundreds of people from all around Australia and New Zealand came to that conference and uh, I think you're going to love what he's got to say. Not just this week, we had so much good content with Father James that we'll be doing it over the next couple of weeks. Apart from that, you'll be hearing from Hugh Warmanhoven. He's uh, he's from Alpha Australia, top fella. Um, he's going to talk to us about, uh, well, I suppose some, some stats that are coming out from the Open Generation Report, and he's doing that in a conversation with uh, with Max Norden. Great to hear from Mother Hilda Scott too. Who do you say I am? Is her little God spot for us this week? And also hearing from Father Mike Delaney. We love Father Mike. He's been a contributor to the show for a while now, and and gives us some great inputs, not only gospel reflections, but some great other stories and insights into things that are happening in his life and his journey as both a, a pastor and, and a follower of Christ himself. Today he's going to talk to us about, well, despair or hope, and the choice that the Emmaus Road presents to each one of us. That's going to, of course, come from the the Gospel for this week, the third Sunday in Easter. It's Luke 24, verses 13 to 35, and they recognised him in the breaking of the bread, and then diving into all this really good stuff that we've got, as I said, with Hugh Warmanhoven from Alpha Australia, Father James Mallon, we're going to have him across a couple of sections of the show, Mother Hilda Scott too from the Abbey. We're kicking us off, as I said, Father Mike Delaney. Let's get into it now. Heaps to get through. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. So glad you joined us this week on The Journey. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Two of the disciples of Jesus were on their way to a village called Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking together about all that had happened. Now as they talked this over, Jesus himself came up and walked by their side, but something prevented them from recognising him. He said to them, What matters are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped short, their faces downcast. Then one of them, called Cleopas, answered him, You must be the only person staying in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there these last few days. What things? he asked. All about Jesus of Nazareth, they answered, who proved he was a great prophet by the things he said and did in the sight of God and of the whole people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death and had him crucified. Our own hope had been that he would be the one to set Israel free. And this is not all. Two whole days have gone by since it all happened, and some women from our group have astounded us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find the body, they came back to tell us they had seen a vision of angels who declared he was alive. 
Some of our friends went to the tomb and found everything exactly as the women had reported. But of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, You foolish men, so slow to believe the full message of the prophets. Was it not ordained that the Christ should suffer and so enter into his glory? Then, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, he explained to them the passages throughout Scripture that were about himself. When they drew near to the village to which they were going, he made out as if to go on, but they pressed him to stay with them. It is nearly evening, they said, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Now while he was with them at table, he took the bread and said the blessing, Then he broke it and handed it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he had vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? They set out that instant and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven assembled together with their companions, who said to them, Yes, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then they told their story of what had happened on the road and how they had recognized him at the breaking of bread. The Gospel of the Lord. The Gospel Reflection with Father Mike Delaney. Accepting the good news is more than just knowing the story. It requires a complete change of heart. And we hear a wonderful example of that as we listen to the passage from Luke's Gospel be called the road to Emmaus. We hear the two disciples speaking to Jesus about what they thought was going to happen and how they understood that Jesus was the one who was to be the saviour and now it has all turned upside down. Then we hear how Jesus, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets, explained to them the passages through the scriptures that were about himself. And then if that wasn't enough, when he sat down with them at the table, he took the bread and said the blessing. Then he broke it and handed it to them, and their eyes were opened and they recognised him. This time and in this season, both the Easter season and the COVID-19 season, we have been called to hear a much bigger story than just the news cycles. Our lives, like the lives of the early followers of the risen Christ, are going to be very different from the past, going to be faced with living in a new normal. So when this is all over, we will have a choice. We can choose to be downcast and defeated as the disciples were because of what we've lost. Or we can decide to rise up with Christ and look at all the new possibilities that this time has opened up for us. We can be a sign of hope and life in our world because we truly believe that not only has Jesus risen from the dead, but he has breathed new life into our community. You're listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Christ is risen from the grave. 
Listening to The Journey, music, interviews and wisdom for living life to the full. Now, Wisdom from the Abbey with Mother Hilda. You, of course, would be very familiar with that beautiful story from the Gospel where Jesus poses the questions to his disciples, Who do people say I am? And they go on, Oh, you're John the Baptist, Elijah, so on, so on. But Jesus persists and he says, But you, who do you say I am? And it's beautiful Peter, whom I disrespectfully called Beloved Motormouth, who says, Well, you're the Christ, the Son of God. I've thought about that. You know, maybe he actually said something like this as well. I know you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I know you've picked me up out of the mud and washed me off. I know since you came into my life, (laughs) I haven't been the same. I've now got somewhere to go. I know I am changed because you're here. In normal, ordinary human terms, this is actually a recipe for a deeper knowledge of God. You see, in telling Jesus who Jesus is, Peter is actually telling and owning up to who he, Peter, is. And that can happen for you and I. The more we tell Jesus about who he is, the more we discover who we are. How about answering the question yourself today? It is truly addressed to you, and God awaits your answer. You may well be surprised at what you hear yourself say. Who do you say I am? Thanks so much to Mother Hilda Scott there. A little God spot that she called for us. Who do you say I am? What a great insight, eh? As 
Mother Hilda broke open the story of, of Peter, or beloved Motormouth, as she refers to him in that story. I thought that was great. But in Peter telling us about who Jesus is, he's actually telling a lot about who Peter is himself. Who do you say I am? It's the ultimate question we're going to ask in relation to, to our Lord. For the break, thanks very much to Father Mike Delaney. We heard Bethel music in there too. That song, Christ is Risen, I just love it. Coming up now, Chris Tomlin, Jesus Loves Me. And after the break, as promised, and as I know a lot of people have been looking forward to, we're going to be doing an interview with Father James Mallon. It'll be in a couple of parts, and it'll be over a couple of weeks. So it'll be a couple of parts this week and, and some more for you next week too. That's after the break, but first up, Chris Tomlin and a bit of Wren Collective in there as well. Faith, hope, love, and life. It's the third Sunday of Easter. He is risen. My name's Jude Hennessy. I'm so glad you've joined us this week on The Journey. Shame 
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. I cast my life like ashes on the waves And leave behind all of my selfish ways My past is gone, now all that's left is grace To live is Christ, to die is gain I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who lives But Christ lives in me I have a second chance at life My future's open wide I know Christ lives in me He lives in me My dreams are
Overjoyed and so stoked to be interviewing the one and only Father James Mellon. Father James, thanks for joining us on the journey. Jude, it's great to be here. Father James, in 2014, you wrote a book called Divine Renovation. You now find yourself in high demand right around the world all the time, going to conferences, people wanting a piece of you. What has happened between 2014 and 2022 that finds you sitting in a place in Australia with hundreds of people, a sell-out conference, just wanting to know what Divine Renovation can do to bring renewal to the church? What's been that snapshot of that journey? I know you could answer that question in a long time, but what's the snapshot of that journey for you? I think of the words of St. Paul who says, you know, blessed be God who can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. And that would certainly apply to what's happened since the book was written, published in 2014. I mean, I didn't even know if, if anyone would even read that book. It was inside and I had to get it out. I'd been giving talks at different conferences and an editor approached me to publish a, a number of small books. And I, I said, yes. And then I, I was praying about it and I thought, you know, I think I need to do one big, bigger book. I need to kind of reflect, pray about this and kind of a look at it in a kind of a systematic way because I believe that as people of faith, the reason we do what we do in churches, whether Catholic or non-Catholic, whatever, is is deep down we we really believe that's what we're supposed to do. And the reason we think that's what we're supposed to do is there's a there's often an operational theology that will shape what we do. So anyway, the book kind of got into that. I got it out of my system. I thought, that's good. Uh, that's done. And then people started to read the book and started to call us. And it became quite overwhelming because at the time I was pastoring a, the largest church in my province and we weren't claiming to have, you know, arrived at being missional. Mm -hmm. That is like primarily outward focused, you know, to make disciples and to, and to reach the poor. And we, we were still struggling. We, we were only, you know, one third of the way through the journey, but people started calling us. I used to say to our team, you know, if you've got a plate of, fr what do you call French fries over here? You call them chips? chips yeah. You got a plate, plate of chips. And someone wants, one person wants one chip, that's no problem. I mean, maybe if three people want a chip, that's no problem. But if a thousand people want four chips, then we've got a problem because how do we continue to pass through this church and help in a sustainable way? So that's where we thought, well, we'll do a conference and maybe after the conference, people will leave us alone. And uh, we didn't know if anyone would come. I mean, we were just this church in Atlantic Canada and 600, you, you, you were at that conference. No, 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 you were at the, the, the two, two years later, you were at that one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that even that first year, like 30 Aussies came and people from 14 countries. And after that, we sensed God calling us to start a ministry, which was like one and a half staff members in the basement of St. Benedict. And, and God has just opened doors. I mean, uh, it's, we now, I think, have about 55 staff around the world. We work in 75 countries. We've got international offices. We're completely donor funded, which is terrifying. <laughs> it's like, you know, we said, Lord, you can, you can grow this thing as big as you want, or you can shrink it down. You know, and so I think ultimately we hit a nerve, you know, and we very quickly, the Lord had already been working in the hearts of pastors and lay leaders all around the world who had the same itch, who had the same discontent. And so part of what we do as a ministry is we exist to in inspire and equip parish leaders, but also to connect because we're going to learn from each other. It's not about, you know, one church have somehow having all these answers. No, I think we've discovered a framework, uh, core principles that if you lean into them, they make the difference. Well, I trust that you're really enjoying hearing from Father James Mallon. We'll continue our discussion with him shortly, when after the break, he'll be back to explain for us a little bit the three key principles that are part of divine renovation that seemingly are at the heart of parish renewal. First up, though, now let's have a bit of a break. Here's some music, Jars of Clay. It's called Love Song for a Saviour. 
Yeah, we'll be back with Father James, and, and not too long after Father James too, we will also be hearing from another top fella, Hugh Warmanhoven from Alpha Australia, with some really interesting results from a survey of young people on their faith and beliefs. More of Father James after the break, though. Don't miss it. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. I'm so glad you've joined us this week on The Journey. In open fields of wildflowers She breathes the air and flies away She thanks to Jesus for the daisies and the roses No simple language Someday she'll understand The meaning of it all Is more than the laughter For the stars in the heaven As close as a heartbeat A song of her lips Someday she'll trust him And learn how to see him Someday he'll call her And she will come running Fall in his arms The tears will fall down children I want to fall in love with you I want to fall in love with you I want to fall in love with you I want to fall in love with you
faith, hope, love and life. This is The Journey. Welcome back, everybody, for part two of this interview that we're doing with uh, Father James Mallon. It's absolutely fantastic to have him on The Journey this week. It's time to find out more on the book that launched Divine Renovation. And so... Father James, the book is, and, and Divine Renovation, without you know wanting to oversimplify it too much, is based on three key principles, three essential principles, really. Do you want to give us a, a quick summary of, of what they're all about for our listeners? Because I know there'll be lots of people that'll be hearing this for, for the very first time. You know, whenever you, you uh, communicate something, you have to simplify it and you know t- take a book and say, well, what's ultimately essential? And that's where we come up with these three keys. A, a key is used to open a door. What's the door that's being opened? It's the door of moving a church from being inward focused to simply, you know, caring for the sheep, uh, which is divinely mandated. It's not a bad thing to care for the sheep, but we're also called to catch fish. Jesus says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. So what is it that makes that shift? Through our experience and our own lived reality and working with churches around the world, we discern these three keys. The first one is the power of the Holy Spirit. As you're not doing anything unless we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He said, after the resurrection, stay in the city until you're clothed with power. Like, so often we, we create pastoral plans in churches that have a reasonable chance of success if God doesn't actually show up. I mean, it, it, think about that. It's, it's horrendous. So uh, we need to have God's power or, or we're not doing anything. So that's the first key. The second key is the primacy of evangelization, which this is really living what our church teaches. I mean, Pope John Paul II said in 1984 that for churches, evangelization, bringing people to Jesus, making disciples, is to be primary, preeminent, and preferential. So is one thing to say that, how to actually do that in a parish, or how to actually slowly make it primary, uh, is, we could talk about that for a couple of weeks, but we don't have time. So primacy of evangelization, making the main thing the main thing, that is the main thing, and that is the making of disciples is ultimately linked to making disciples, forming disciples, equipping disciples, and sending disciples. That's where we get the term missionary disciples, but Pope Francis speaks about a lot. The third key is the best of leadership. And again, leadership is, is an enormous topic, which most, most of us, no matter what our Christian tradition, if you go to the seminary, you, you don't learn anything about leadership. And so we need to learn because past what we call pastoral conversion, basically changing our methods to adjust to the fact that we now live in a different world, a post-Christian world, that transformation doesn't just happen by itself, it needs to be led. And so we need to learn how to lead. And one of the, the essential points of the leadership part is that we work with pastors to help them not just lead a team, but lead out of a team, a kind of form of shared leadership that exists in the middle ground between leadership by committee, because it's not leadership by committee, that's a disaster, uh, and it's not mere, mere consultation either. It's, it's shared leadership, and it, when it works, it's a beautiful thing. And so those are the three keys. When they work together and you, you're really intentional about it, with time, because it does take time, you can't fast-track church renewal to turning around a church. Uh, it in, makes an incredible difference and produces incredible fruit of people, your church becoming a place where people encounter Jesus, uh, are welcomed, uh, have their lives transformed, uh, find community, are equipped for ministry, and uh, sent forth owning the mission uh, of Jesus in this world. Well, we need to wrap up the interview that we're we've, we're doing with Father James Mellon. How good is it? What a what a wonderful wonderful guy! And what an impact he's having for renewal of parishes, listening to the Spirit, 
responding wholeheartedly and, and really providing some great insights and tools into how parishes can be faithful and is so often the case, therefore fruitful, when they make evangelization the main thing and, and stick to some of the key principles. We will be continuing this conversation with Father James Mellon next week. Going to dive into how parishes can make the main thing the main thing, focus on evangelization and the explanation why Alpha, or something like it, is so essential to parish renewal, that uh, proclamation of the basic gospel. Hope you enjoyed this week's interview. Don't forget, as is always the case, with any of our inputs, you can go to jcr.org.au. That'll take you to our webpage, and you can flick down that. You can see all of our favorite presenters. People love clicking on them, or you can go to some of our interviews, such as today's interview with Father James, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people that are particularly keen to do that today. We've got Hugh Warmanhoven coming up shortly, and he's uh, he is from Alpha Australia, and he's going to be talking to us about the Open Generation Survey. But it's time for a bit more music. He's Anne Wilson and the song uh, My Jesus. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy. We're getting near the end, but you're still on the journey. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way
together on the journey. Faith, hope and love for life in all its fullness. On the journey, I've caught up with our man from Alpha, Hugh Warminghoven. So welcome back to uh, back to the journey, Hugh, and let's touch base and see what's been happening in Alpha. Thank you so much, Max. It's so exciting to be back here on the journey. And uh, since I last spoke with you, it's um, there's been a lot that's happened. And I think one of the most exciting, uh, I guess, pieces of research or insights that we've gained in at Alpha about understanding our young people. We've just released uh, a new study called The Open Generation in partnership with Barna and World Vision, uh, which interviewed over 28,000 teenagers from all across the world, including a number, significant number from Australia. And the, fa- the stats and the, the insight of Gen Z especially has been fascinating. They're, uh, they are open, they're optimistic, they're confident, and they love community. It's actually a really significant part of their identity. But they're also anxious, stressed, and uncertain. And I guess when I reviewed these stats, and what does that look like for the life and the mission of our church, there were two key points that jumped out to us. The first one is they're really open but so many of them haven't made a personal decision to actually follow, to commit, to encounter the person of Jesus. In fact, only 22% uh, said that they were committed Christians, that they had actually made a commitment. 30% said that they were nominal Christians, which means that they'd never made a decision. They'd never been given an opportunity. And the rest, 48%, um, were of other faiths or no faith. But that decision is so important. It impacted how they engaged with the Scriptures It impacted all of their faith practices around prayer and engagement with community life. And it impacted how they viewed the community, not just uh, the community at large, but really the faith community. And what I mean by that is young people who had made a personal commitment to follow Jesus were enamored by their community, came down to that decision. But those that hadn't made a faith decision actually saw their community less favorably than those of other faiths. So what does that actually mean? It means the community is integral to seeing the community positive light is integral to that personal decision to follow Jesus. Okay, so then bringing Alpha into this, how at the Alpha level do you actually respond now and turn that into something meaningful that can take up where those stats are are indicating? It's a great question. So look at the stats. 52% of committed Christians said that being a part of their community, their faith community, was important to them. And our Alpha is all around uh, making a space for young people to encounter that community and in the context of that, ask questions of faith, of life and meaning. But what we want to target is not just the 52% of the committed, but in this context, the 18% of the nominal Christians that that would agree with that and the vast majority of the other ones that wouldn't agree with that statement that it was important. In other words, there's a disconnect. So how can we as a church reach out and encounter the young people where they are, provide a space for them to explore the questions that are on their heart and to journey with them? One other stat, if you mind, Max. I do like stats, as you probably tell, is they really need us to do that. They need that reaching out. I'm going to give you one final stat, and it's this. That, um, and this was one that almost broke my heart. The stat was around, there is someone in my life who encourages me to grow spiritually, or the church is a place where I feel like I really belong. Committed Christians, seven out of ten of them agreed with those statements, but only three out of ten of them uh, that weren't committed Christians agreed with those statements. Again, what does that mean? It means that those that haven't made a personal decision to follow Jesus don't have someone like you 
to walk with them, to accompany them into that decision and into a life lived with each other in the context of our community, our church. So that's the mission that defines us, but it's the mission that's really called us all here. What a better time to reach out and invite those young people in your life into that encounter today. Thanks, Hugh, for being part of the Journey Show this weekend. And I think we'll be catching up a bit more with you later on about some other exciting news from Alpha in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Max. Hi, I'm Anne from Darwin in the Northern Territory, and you're listening to The Journey.
Now, wasn't that powerful? Hugh Warmanhoven, he's from Alpha Australia. He's a champion fellow. He's got a really strong background in uh, youth ministry. He was formerly from uh, Canberra Goulburn Diocese, but he's doing work in, in uh, youth Alpha all around Australia and with Alpha more generally. It was great to hear some really interesting stats, eh, from that Open Generation report, how Alpha are responding to it and, and how churches should be responding to it as well. So regardless of what denomination you might come for, or you might be non-denominational, but uh, there's, there's great insights into how we can be more effective in going fishing and making disciples. Also heard from Sanctus Real there, featuring Francesca Battistelli, and it uh, was a song, Won't Let Me Go. Great show this week. Thanks to, uh, to Max Norton, who's put it all together. He does a great job. To all of our contributors, Father James Mallon, Mother Hilda Scott and Father Mike Delaney right at the top of the show too. Don't forget, you can go and listen to it all again. You can uh, click on a link and send that link to someone else if you want them to, to hear the show. You can sign up and get it sent to you as a podcast each week. We just send you a little email and you can click on it and get access to the show. Big thank you and cheerio to our over 30 partnering radio stations all around Australia. What an amazing network the, the Christian radio network is around Australia. And we're just so honoured and privileged to be contributing to your programming and hopefully, hopefully blessing you and yours, all of your listeners, and, uh, and, and all the great work that you do. We'll be doing it all again next week. Can't wait to be with you. Faith, hope, love and life. My name's Jude Hennessy, and you've been on The Journey. The Journey is presented by Jude Hennessy and produced by Max Norden on Darawal Country in the office of the Bishop for the Catholic Diocese of Wollongong.